For all your fantasy football needs, check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Show with me, Danny Kelly, along with Danny Heifetz and Craig Horlbeck. That's the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. This episode is brought to you by Hulu. Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone star in Hulu's limited series Under the Bridge, a chilling true crime story based on the acclaimed novel. Hailed as a riveting and heartbreakingly realistic work by the Chicago Sun-Times and featuring excellent performances, according to Time magazine, the series is for your Emmy consideration in all categories, including outstanding limited series and outstanding supporting actress in a limited series for Keo and Gladstone. For more information, visit fyc.hulu.com. It is Wednesday, August 23rd. Even if you're not in the music business, chances are you know the name Scooter Braun, which is actually kind of weird. He's a manager, and managers are usually behind the scenes, working with artists, building their profiles and businesses, and bringing media and promotion opportunities to them. But Scooter Braun is different. Since discovering Justin Bieber back in 2008, when Bieber was just 13 and Braun was 27, he's become a celebrity on his own, raising his profile along with the artists he's represented which have included Ariana Grande, Demi Lovato, Kanye West, J Balvin, Carly Rae Jepsen, Lil Dicky, many others. He put himself front and center on social media. He's got almost 4 million Instagram followers and through a barrage of personal press and outlets like TMZ, Page Six, and other media. He's got a publicist, Stephanie Jones, who specializes in those gossip outlets. People in the music business have always kind of laughed at that stuff. Braun broke a lot of rules for artist representatives. Namely, the client is usually the star, not the manager. And he's been accused of self-dealing and caring more about himself and his own profile. But the clients of this social media age didn't seem to care. And Braun is no fool for sure. He's definitely smart and savvy. And for the most part, he seemed to do a good job for the clients. He definitely did a good job for himself. He started businesses with them. He's gotten very rich. And in June 2019, his company, Ithaca Holdings, bought Big Machine Records, which, among other things, gave him the masters to the first six Taylor Swift records. That, of course, turned him into a supervillain for the millions of Swifties out there that Taylor unleashed when she blasted the deal and claimed she wasn't given the right to buy those for herself. There's some dispute about how accurate that claim was. Braun then flipped that asset and made $300 million, another middle finger to the Swifties. And in 2021, he did his biggest deal yet, selling Ithaca to the South Korean entertainment company Hybe, which has BTS and a bunch of other K-pop stars. That deal was valued at $1 billion. Scooter then became the CEO of its American unit, a job he still has today. That deal was premised in part on Braun's lucrative management business. But then last Sunday, I first reported in my Puck newsletter that Justin Bieber and Scooter Braun weren't really speaking and that Justin was poking around for new representation. Bieber is still technically represented by Scooter. There's time left on his deal. But it's clear that Bieber and his wife have kind of moved on. Then, one by one, it came out via me and others that Demi Lovato, Ariana Grande, Jay Balvin, Adina Menzel, they're all parting ways with Scooter Braun. His team tried to spin it in the TMZ article that all is well, nothing to see here. But it's pretty clear that it's not, at least not on the management side of his business. So what's really going on? 
I'm going to drop some new details in my Puck newsletter on Thursday, so you can sign up for that via the link in this episode description. But today we're going to get into what's happened so far and some analysis and perspective on it. I've got Shirley Halpern on the show. She's now the editor-in-chief of LA Magazine, but she's a longtime music journalist and has interviewed and written about Scooter Braun a lot. Her phone was blowing up, she says, after I broke the Bieber news. So today is Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande, Scooter Braun, and the mess behind the scenes. What's actually going on? From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Shirley Halperin, who is the editor-in-chief of Los Angeles Magazine and a music expert. Welcome. Thanks, Matt, for having me. What an honor. <laughs> well, you and I worked together when you were the music editor of Hollywood Reporter, and I have always considered you an expert on Scooter Braun. You've interviewed him many times. You talk to him. You know how he ticks. And you were the first person I thought of when all of this shit started going down with Scooter. For people who aren't as familiar with this guy, give us the background of who Scooter Braun is and why he matters. Well, I would say today he matters because he's the CEO of a global entertainment company that's valued at $11 billion. Well, but he's when, the CEO of the American. The American. Of yes, yes. Yes. Let's be clear. <laughs> we know every Correct. we know every Swifty is going to be listening to this and parsing every word we say. So please, let's let's be precise. But but I would argue that even the American version is actually global. It's okay. a globally minded philosophy to everything that they do. So that's why I would say he matters today. When he started, he mattered because he discovered and launched a complete unknown, a teen from Canada who went on to sell 24 million albums and has a social media presence of half a billion followers. And in between, he built a mini empire of music management and branding and film and TV projects. And like any other like successful Hollywood company, he diversified and created a successful company. So that's why he matters. That's why he matters. But that's not why he's known. He is known to 3.8 million people on Instagram, not because he's a successful manager, but because he has cultivated his own celebrity and become a public figure on his own. And you know, within music circles, that has been somewhat controversial, and we'll get into that. But the reason why we're talking about Scooter is weird stuff has been happening lately. First, I broke a story last week in my Puck newsletter about the fact that he and Justin Bieber, who, as you know, have been together for 15 years, are no longer speaking. And there are lawyers involved to figure out the path forward where, you know, yes, he is signed to Scooter's management company for the next couple of years. So it's not like Bieber fired him, but they are trying to work out a separation, a new path forward. Then we got news from Billboard a couple of days later that Demi Lovato was also leaving Scooter Braun. Then I broke on Twitter the day after that that Ariana Grande has also parted ways. Then the floodgates open. So it seems from the outside that there is an exodus of clients from Scooter Braun. And it begs the question of why is this all happening now? So you know Scooter. I have my own reporting on this. Tell us why this is happening now. He's said this aloud for the past couple of years. 
ever since the high merger, that his plan and his ambition is to be the CEO of a major company. And music management, he's really good at it. He can do it with his eyes closed. But that's not the end-all be-all for him. And I do think at this stage in his life, he's kind of outgrown it. There are legal proceedings, no doubt, in place because when Hybe and Ithaca came together, all of those deals had to be reworked. And that's an opportunity, as you know, Matt, to perhaps change the terms of whatever contract you had with Ithaca. It's at least a chance to talk about it. So those have been ongoing ever since the merger. And I'm told Hybe is also near a re-up with Universal Music. That's their label in the U.S. So there, there's a lot going on in that world. So you, you're suggesting that perhaps he doesn't want to be a manager anymore. But a lot of these deals like Bieber and Ariana Grande, like they were re-upped recently. So why do you think if he doesn't want to be a manager anymore, he re-upped with these clients? Well, I think whatever it, the situation was at the time, he was, uh, and as far as I know, is still managing at least music aspects. You know, he has a catalog deal with with Justin, and that is something that he's like a key man on that almost. Yeah. Um, so the relationships continue. I know that he's talking to Justin, so I'm not sure where that's coming from. But uh, I Okay, we, we may we may disagree about that. Okay, one, but. fine. You know, I I wasn't privy to the conversations, but you know, my understanding is that like, look, the thing about Scooter is like he does care about people's opinions, but the people he cares about the most, the opinions he ma- that mattered him the most, are these clients, and those relationships are like the penultimate. So I think all of the attention, the news, the headlines, that doesn't really phase him. Oh, I think it does. I think this guy has managed his career for 15 years based on appearances and how it looks and his own profile. And yes, obviously, he's a smart guy and he's done smart business dealings for his clients and for himself. But this is someone who meticulously managed his own image for a long time and then seemingly has lost control of the narrative right now. All of this stuff that's been going on is not looking great for him. It looks like the clients are leaving in mass. So why was he not able to manage that? Or does he just not care? I don't think he cares that much. And I don't think he cultivates his image that much. I think he gets a ton of requests and he says yes to as many as he can. Success Magazine. He was on the cover of Success Magazine. I don't know how long Success Magazine, you know, harassed (laughs) his publicist for that. I'm sorry, but that sounds like a 30 Rock parody. But it also tells you he's kind of, he's an empath. If someone writes him a nice email that's like, I run such and such magazine and I am an admirer and I want to talk to you about this and this, he really will try to make people happy. Like that is kind of his MO, but I don't think it's from like a villainous place. Okay, let, we'll get into the villain question. But, but I agree with you. Those kinds of personalities are the kinds of personalities that make good managers. Because that is a job where if one of these artists calls you at three in the morning and says, get on a plane and come to London, you get on a plane and come to London. Like that is the job. And he did that for a long time. He's 42 years old. I would totally get that takes a toll on people. He recently went through a divorce. He's got young kids. 
I could see how perhaps this is not the life that you want to be living when you're in your 40s and 50s. And that would make sense. He's made a ton of money. But let's get into the villain question, because in a certain corner of the music business and certainly a certain quarter of social media, Scooter Braun is a villain, thanks to the Taylor Swift deal. We don't have to get into the details of it, but essentially he bought Big Machine, which owned the masters for Taylor's first six albums, among other things. And that instantly caused her to go nuts on him. And it turned him into a villain for her fans. Do you think that's fair or do you think it's not fair? Well, I think in retrospect, it's been really interesting to see what happened business wise with that deal. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think he he had a bullseye on his back after he acquired the big machine holdings. Absolutely. I know he also felt incredibly vulnerable and afraid physically. As you said, he has young children. But out coming out of that, Taylor has become like the biggest, like we couldn't even imagine her star would rise this high. Yeah, but she did that. She was forced by him in her mind to re-record her albums to get her art back because in her public statements, she was not given the opportunity to buy her own masters. Now, there's a dispute about that. Yes, and if you want to if you want to read the Scooter Braun side of that story, you can go to TMZ. They have dozens of articles about I how would say I would direct her father you, was involved and hang yes, on. Yeah. I would I would direct you to Music Business Worldwide because mm. Tim Ingham is a solid journalist and he's yes. better than anyone at digging into this stuff. And I really do think he has, if not the full story, the most complete version we've seen. Well, and what does that say? It says essentially that Taylor's not being totally above board on what went down. It says that there's a lot of, lot of lawyers and shenanigans and NDAs and things that could be completely misconstrued when they're passed along via a telephone line. That's my takeaway from it. I don't know what happened. I don't know if anyone will ever know. Scooter himself has expressed regret about how that went down and that oh, he should 100%. have been he, he should have been more upfront with everyone and you know let them know and another misstep for a guy who has been such a kind of manager of his own image he should have known that when you're dealing with Taylor Swift like if she feels that she's not being respected she's going to make you know that and unleash her fans i don't think he knew the enormity of it i really don't I really think that the way that Scooter operates is like, we'll work it out. And when it didn't work out, yes, this is a huge, huge black eye for him. And I know that he feels like remorseful and maybe even regrets like how everything turned out. But there's still no disputing that all the money that she was able to earn from those re-records is so significant you know, that she really wouldn't have seen it. And her career might not have played out this way. And you know, I think hindsight is is very important here to look at at how things turned out. And yeah, maybe maybe it soured him on the music business. It happens. <laughs> well, no, he also made a lot of money on that deal because he flipped the big he flipped the Taylor catalog. Yeah, but he to... didn't make Taylor money. No, no, he made himself money. He flipped no, no, the catalog. He didn't make, he didn't make Taylor sized money. No, I know, but it was three hundred million dollars, right? That he made flipping it to a private equity fund. Scooter does not own the Taylor Swift catalog anymore. I know that he's still a villain in the eyes of the fans, but it's this private equity firm that bought the Taylor Swift catalog. They're the victims, if there is a victim, of 
the re-records because they're the owners of the asset now. Well, you know, there's still a lot of value in that asset for sure. I don't think they've lost any money. This episode is brought to you by Hulu. Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone star in Hulu's limited series Under the Bridge, a chilling true crime story based on the acclaimed novel. Hailed as a riveting and heartbreakingly realistic work by the Chicago Sun-Times and featuring excellent performances, according to Time magazine, the series is for your Emmy consideration in all categories, including Outstanding Limited Series and Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Limited Series for Keough and Gladstone. For more information, visit fyc.hulu.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Within the music business, this is why I want you to give your opinion on this. Where is Scooter's reputation slash place in the music business? Do people, serious business people in the music business, consider him kind of a joke for the public persona? Or do they respect him and just see that all as a sideshow? I think that he's definitely respected within the music industry. People want to do business with him because he produces results. He can get a project moving. He can bring it from conception to reality. He's really good at that stuff. And I don't even think people look to him so much for his music management. You know, it's way bigger than that. Hybe and the kind of stuff that they're doing, K-pop and the giant K entertainment spectrum. K-Con was just in L.A. Like, this is a huge cottage industry in itself. That's a full-time job just handling that part of Hybe. So, you know, I think we're going to see Hybe expand. It's going to be its own mini major label. And I would say that Scooter's ambitions in music are to be a universal. And I would apply that to every other business that he works on. He dreams really, really big. It's one of the things that made me like him and first start interviewing him back in like 2009. (laughs) I could tell that he was a big dreamer. And I remembered meeting him from parties at the VMAs in Miami. I just could see that ambition even when he was very, very young. So to me, the scooter of today and the scooter of 2009, they're not all that different. He's learned a few things along the way. He's maybe a little less manic than he used to be, but it's really the same person. So I don't know. I also wanted to say, Matt, I think this is important to say. These manager-artist relationships typically don't go that long. It's a rarity that they go 15 years. Most music talent will cycle through several managers through their careers. And if you look at like the absolute longest manager-artist relationship, Barbara Streisand and Marty Ehrlichman, 60 years. That's film and music and magazine covers and philanthropy. Can you imagine taking phone calls from Barbara Streisand your entire life, 60 years? Exactly. (laughs) And and still operating with a landline, probably. (laughs) No, you have to go into the foyer of her house and she stands above. I'm not joking. I've known representatives of hers. You go into the foyer of the Malibu house and she stands above on the bridge above and talks down to you because she doesn't want to be in a certain light. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not joking. 
Okay, you're saying that Marty Ehrlichman does not have an all-access pass? That's okay. That's, I, that is not, I was not talking about Marty. I'm sure he had better privileges. <laughs> anyway. But I get I get your point. And yeah, he did it's have very these. rare. And like, we just saw Coldplay just broke up with their manager of 20 years, you know, kind of was very quiet. But, mm-hmm. you know, here's someone who was like forever affiliated with this band. And now it's, that's no longer the case. So I don't know. I see it as the evolution of Scooter Braun. This is the next step in his ambitions as a business person. You know, like when I did that cover with him in, I think it was two years ago, we couldn't say he was a billionaire. He wasn't quite there. Is he there now? Well, well, that's the thing. And, you know, we know Ariana Grande has fired and rehired him several times in the past. One was very public, but I've been told it's happened other times that just weren't public. But the financials here are interesting because he sold his company to Hive in 2021. And the value of the company was a lot of different things. It was the masters, you know, the big machine masters beyond Taylor, very valuable. But it was also the value of these artists. And the fact that he was managing them and that, you know, at least on the Bieber side, Bieber re-upped his deal before the hype transaction in order, I'm told, to give that company more value. So is hype now probably less thrilled with that deal because those artists don't come along with it or perhaps potentially aren't going to come along with it? Well, there's sunset clauses and it takes a long time to untangle these things. I don't see it as having an immediate impact. And they could choose to stay with Hybe and just not be with Scooter. He could take a back seat and they could start a business with Hybe. That, I think, is one of the things that's being discussed right now. I think that a lot of it is just, you know, the usual sort of legal work that you have to do. But also don't forget that, you know, Justin was gifted $10 million in that Hybe deal and so was Ariana Grande, like they didn't ask for that money. They have come along with Scooter's success. You know, that is, you're right. That is something to mention here is that one of the benefits of being in business with him is that he would do these deals where he would make money off your deal, but you could make money off his deals. Yeah. But that to me says like, he's not really greedy like that. Yes. He's incredibly successful, but not like in a rich and showy kind of way. I don't know. Like I said, I kind of still see the same guy, you know, who was like working in Atlanta and like promoting parties. Like, I don't know. I think he gets a bad rap and, you know, it's unfortunate because he's done so much good. That's, that's kind of what, what I think. Hmm. I don't want to be a antagonist, but I, yes, you do. I also, <laughs> I also think there's some other stuff at work here. I do think that... Can you at least, like, give me some hints so I can... You know, I think the relationship soured. I mean, listen, I think Bieber has had a rough streak. He had to cancel a tour. He owes AEG a ton of concerts. He recently got married. Hailey Bieber has, from all... Everything I've heard has taken a much greater role in in his life. And they recently cleaned house. They fired CIA. They fired his longtime lawyer, replaced him. And I think they're looking to the future. Bieber is only 29 years old. These music careers have ups and downs. He could absolutely come back. And I think that they are looking at a fresh start and how to reinvent Justin Bieber and perhaps being with the guy that has been so associated with him and made his entire career on the back of Bieber that it makes sense to go a new direction. 
That seems very par for the course for the music industry. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's weird or yeah. out of, it's just, you know, these and these artists, you cannot be successful on this level without being a total narcissist. You have to be the center of, of the room, the center of attention at all times, and you have to want that. And, you know, the Ariana Grande situation, everything I've heard, she wanted him in a particular place. He couldn't be there at a moment. And it was like, okay, it's over. You know, that's what happened. She fired him before. And perhaps because he's got these other things going on and other concerns and other goals in his life, you can't be 100% on call all the time as these superstars need you to be. So is that him wanting to leave or is that him just not being the manager that he once was? Ultimately, let's sum this up. Why do you think these artists all left him and why do you think it happened all in a row or at least was announced or reported all in a row? I wouldn't characterize the artists as leaving him. I would mm -hmm. say that they, you know, parted ways. They split amicably. I don't get the sense that there's any bad vibes with any of these these artists and Scooter personally. Okay. I think that these reorganization of Hybe, its next era as a huge music and entertainment powerhouse, these things are starting to get rolling. And he's a CEO of a major company. He has to travel to Korea. He needs to be present. I'm sure there's investor calls and annual reports he has to think about. Like, it's just so much bigger than the music business. And I would say, unlike uh, the Ariana side, you know, her role in Wicked feels way bigger than the music right now. They're all sort of evolving at the same time. And it's the growing pains that, you know, I will say this. If someone else came in and managed Justin and did a great job, Scooter would be the first person to be like, that guy did a great job or that person did a great job. Like, he's that kind of guy. Oh, come on. No representative wants to see a former client succeed with a new representative. <laughs> well, we'll see if Justin actually hires another manager. He's shopping currently. He's poking around. And I'm told that he's close on an agency but not on a manager. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, also, and, you know, not, mm? also not unusual for the music industry. Sometimes artists will go without a manager for yeah. a while and until they figure out their next move. You know, they say that if they're not saying yes to anything and there's no, no commitments on the horizon, it gives them a chance to really reassess their career. That's not a bad thing. You know, it's, it's hard on your mental health. And I think like taking that break, if you need it, yeah. Go be with your wife. Think about your life. You know, think about how far you've come and figure out the rest of it. Well, especially since, you know, technically both Bieber and Ariana, they are still signed to Scooter. I mean, that's why these TMZ stories are so ridiculous because, yeah, they're still signed. They still have business together, but they're trying to extricate themselves and figure the, the, what the next steps are. So ultimately, that relationship is is not the same as it was. But I would still contend that sunset clauses keep them in each other's lives for several years. Much to the disdain of Team Taylor Swift, I'm sure. But we will see how that plays out. All right, Shirley, thanks for this. This was very informative. Give us a plug for LA Magazine. You've got uh, Haley Williams of Paramore on the new cover. That's right. Haley Williams from Paramore. And she is Team Taylor. So brings it all full circle. Opening for the next, uh, for the European <laughs> leg of Taylor Swift's tour. I'm a huge Swifty myself. So like, I'm a giant fan. Haley Williams, she talks all about her relationship with Taylor. When it comes to music, I am Switzerland. 
I love all, but I really love good pop music, which both with all, all these artists. Well, clearly you're going to be on the Scooter Braun family holiday card mailing list. So uh, <laughs> thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. I am not, by the way. I'm not going to be on that list, but that's okay. Eh, we'll see what happens. That's okay. All right. All right. Thanks, Shirley. All right. We're back with the call sheet. Greg, how's DC? Wonderful. The weather has uh, good. The, the good California weather has followed me here because it's not humid for some reason. Oh, that's nice. Craig's there for the big live show for the fantasy football podcast. I hope that went well. But you may have missed this. Last night, there was a back and forth between the studios and the Writers Guild on the state of negotiations. And shocker, things are not great. The studios made public their proposal, their counter to the writers. And they said that they had made gives on transparency and writer's room and big raises and all these things that are so great on the studio side. The writers then immediately countered and said this was the plan the whole time not to make a real deal. They were just trying to jam us and try to divide and conquer by putting out this proposal and get the guild members to go after each other and create dissension and weaken them. And it basically shot down a lot of the optimism that people had that there would be a Writers Guild deal uh, pretty soon. Yeah, it feels like the writers are really seeing this as an opportunity to dig their feet in and get what they want. And they, they realize that this is their shot to get what they want and set up all the other CBAs uh, over the next few MBAs and so, the CBAs are sports. MBAs is for Hollywood. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, sorry, I'm still in my fantasy football mode. <laughs> All right. So my prediction today is, and I don't know that this is going to happen. I have no inside knowledge on this, but it would not shock me if the studios moved on to the actors and said, okay, we're at an impasse with the writers here. It doesn't seem to be moving anywhere. Let's go to the actors, SAG-AFTRA, and see if we can get a deal. So you're saying stop negotiating with the writers and just move on to start negotiating with SAG and potentially settle with SAG that before the That is what I think could happen here. I try to be fairly confident in my predictions. This one I'm not 100% confident in, but I could just see the studio saying, listen, this is a great offer. We're going to go see if the other guild if we can make a deal with them because the, the asks on the actor side are slightly different than on the writer side yeah but don't you think that sag settling first would, would that be undermining the wga would, would they not want to do that i think they want the best deal that they can make and you're you're assuming that the deals they they get would not be what they want and i i think that if they can get a deal that they find satisfactory that they'll do a deal. So I think that there's a chance here that they could go to the actors and say, okay, let's see if we can get a deal here and then come back to the writers. All right, that's the show. But before we go, I want to make a couple corrections from Monday show. Craig, you're out of town and I just fucked up twice. I said that Rachel Zegler is Puerto Rican. She is not Puerto Rican. She is Colombian. Half, she is half Colombian. As many people pointed out to me, um, I apologize. I was conflating her West Side Story character with her actual background. Apologies to Rachel Zegler. I also flubbed when I was describing the CAA deal. I said that TPG, the private equity firm, wants a lower valuation in this deal. No, TPG is the majority owner of CAA. They want the higher valuation. It's Francois Pinot, whose caring is buying CAA that wants the lower valuation. 
Uh, I meant to say that, but I just flubbed it. So, all right, that's the show for today. I want to thank our guest, Shirley Halperin, producer Greg Horlbeck, our editor, Jesse Lopez, and I want to thank you. We will see you later this week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.